0: Welcome to the show. I'm Austin Wilman. Here on Introductions, we dive into the origins, upbringings, and experiences of some of the world's wisest and most conscious people and apply their most important learnings into everyday situations so you can have a better understanding of your own life and of the world. We want to help you clear the air when it comes to learning what makes the world go round. We want you to have more aha moments when it comes to human behavior. We ask our guests about what made them who they are, especially when they challenge traditional ways of thinking. You can use the perspectives you hear on the show to help you think differently about tough people and situations in your life. We wanna empower you to think independently by introducing you to ideas from smart people who like to question the culture scape. We want you to become a more interesting person If this is your first episode, we've heard from yoga masters to high-level strategy consultants, connectors, innovators, and disruptors to find out what makes them all different and what makes them similar. We share practical tips to improve your relationships, self-love, networking, public communication, and career. So if you're open-minded and you love to learn about humans, you're in the right place. Today, I talk with my dear friend, Toby Korb, about his experiences hitchhiking across continents and what he's learned about patience and motivation in that process. We talk about why motivation is bullshit and why being 99% committed to something is much more difficult than being 100% committed. He shares his insights on what to do when you feel you're slowing down in your life or your career and how you can actually create even more positive impact in the world when you overlap your skill sets. Toby is one of the smartest people I know and his wisdom is paired with kindness and mindfulness and he has a great sense of humor. I just love our conversations. It's always a pleasure to have him around. I think you're gonna love this episode. So thanks for being here, and here we go with Toby Korb. So, you have done quite a bit of traveling in your life, and I would like to ask you about some of your stories. I know you've been traveling around Africa, and you had some pretty pretty wild stories and some pretty exciting interactions with humans. What's something that really stood out to you in, in some of your travels? Wow. Okay, um some of my travels so i've yeah i think i've been i've been around
1: quite a bit so let's uh, let's focus on the the last one that, that you mentioned so um just to give like a little bit of an introduction so i hitchhiked ten thousand kilometers through from africa to europe right so from ghana where i lived one year to germany essentially um, uh, and, uh, 10,000 kilometers, Yeah, actually 9,700 something, but 10,000 sounds much Jeez. better. So <laughs> <laughs> I checked it afterwards on Google maps. I was going the entire route, putting it as on the map. I was like, ah, so that's how far I got. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. And yeah. I didn't even know that Ghana was 10,000 kilometers away from Germany, but did you take like a bunch of different paths?
1: Yeah. I went a bit more West, uh, like through West coast because I, I Maybe that sounds like bad, but there was just a, a, like a few countries that I was kind of trying to avoid. Um, and um, yeah, I, I felt more comfortable going through the West. So essentially I went from Ghana to um, to the Ivory Coast. From Ivory Coast, I went to Guinea. From Guinea, I went to Senegal. From Senegal, I went to Mauritania. Mauritania to Western Sahara, Morocco. Then from there to, to Spain, France. Then, funny enough, to the Netherlands and then Germany, which didn't make sense, but I just ended up randomly in a guy who went to in the
0: in in the guy's car who went to the Netherlands. What's something that you learned from hitchhiking all those miles? I mean, you had to have had to have gotten in cars or buggies or ridden on people's backs, (laughs) like what a hundred times. Yeah, I
1: I think. Now, now thinking more, I think there's two things that stand out. Like also coming back to your initial question, was something that I that I've learned about, and uh, something that's connected to the human experiences. So I think something that has overwhelmed me is the is the kindness and the genuinity of uh, of especially uh, the the less um, uh, financially affluent people in Africa compared to, for example, traveling in Europe. So for example, the amount of times that I um, I was just in someone's car who then invited me to come to his house just stay the night like literally I, I think I, I just told you like 10 minutes ago right like in uh, when I was traveling in Africa I spent like uh, quite a, a, a sum of nights right because I never knew where I would end up I always had to sleep somewhere I had a tent with me I didn't use it a single time like not a single time because i always get invited from people i always got an invitation sleep in my place no i have a guest bed or even people there tell me ah oh, go to this bed go to this bed and it was a very big bed and very nice and the next morning when i woke up i realized people were sleeping on the floor so it was literally i did, i wasn't aware but it was their bed like literally they gave me their bed wow. to sleep on the on the floor themselves wow. for someone that they met 5 minutes ago yeah right without without thinking about it, it was clear for them so I think that was uh, one wonderful uh, experience, and then maybe just to quickly touch on the second one, um, I think uh, one thing that I, that I learned when I was uh, when I was hitchhiking is that um, sometimes um, patience really pays off. So um, I don't know if uh, if anyone who listens to this has ever hitchhiked, especially in in, <laughs> in Africa, people are not very in parts of Africa where I hitchhike, people are not very um, very fond of the concept. So usually, if you get in a car of even if it's a private car, they won't you to pay right they expect mm. a certain payment so then there's this uh, the part of you that wants to rush that's like uh oh, i can just give them some money it's not as if it's that much you know at least i will not be stuck here and i will not be waiting anymore i always regret this decision every time i decided to pay it was a bad experience because you end up in a car with someone that takes you purely for a financial interest right they take you they want to squeeze you out and they want to uh, want to see how much money they can maybe get from you they're not interested in you as a person they'll not have interesting conversations with you so you end up hitchhiking just to end up in a car with someone who's not interested in you and who's trying to to get money from you it's it's never it's never a good experience it's always worth the extra
0: weight you know? yeah the the addition of money into the equation like if if we look at People who say, I'm going to follow my passion and I'm going to do that as a career, I think as soon as you add money into the equation, it messes everything up, just as what you're saying. Like, if I have a connection with somebody and they're driving me and we're connecting over a common like goal, if you want to call it that, or a common direction, then the conversation was usually good, I would I would assume. And then if you add money into it, now it adds this layer of like complexity that now there's expectations and well, are you really taking me because you want to, or is it because you want money out of me? And I think it's really awesome, and I would love to loop this into this conversation, because you mentioned patience, and I can imagine that if you're stranded, or imagine yourself stranded, and you're trying to hitchhike, the patience must be incredibly high. Were there any times where you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to give up. This is not for me. I thought it was cool. The idea was cool, but screw this, man. This is hard. I think one point I was very
1: close to this point was after staying uh, seven hours in the Sahara um, uh, on next next to the street and um, just not, not getting any ride. And there was not a lot of rides even coming through in the first place. So yeah, like the sun just like like hitting down on you and uh you're there in the middle of nowhere everywhere around you is like sand and uh yeah i mean there there was like um a military base quite close so i knew i would not have died or of thirst or i I could have probably asked them to uh let me let me sleep somewhere or let me put my tent there so i I thought i i felt i would have been able to stay the night safe but like hours and hours and yeah you start questioning yourself like why the because actually to to give some context i had a flight ticket booked from ghana to germany i paid for it so literally there was a flight in my name that was reserved and i decided to hitchhike instead of taking the flight and i couldn't even like cancel the 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 flight properly because i had already taken the one way to to ghana and was like my flight back so you cannot cancel because you've already taken one so literally the 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 money was was paid right i didn't get the money back Mm -hmm. and still i decided because I knew I had the time. I had like six weeks of time. So I was either I'm going to stand or chill six weeks in Ghana, do nothing and then fly home, like party, celebrate, whatever, and then fly home. Or I can do something cool. So I decided, let's do something cool. Let's just hitchhike from Ghana to Germany. Why not? Mm. And then, you know, I mean, there was several situations where I, I was probably not really, I was not like, ah, oh, fuck this, I'm, I'm gonna give up now. But a lot of times it was like, why did I not just take that fucking flight? <laughs> <laughs>
0: why the fuck? Come <laughs> on, man. It makes no sense, man. They even probably have air conditioning in the flight. Of course, man. <laughs> I think that's such a, a, a contrast as we were conversing right before this, right before getting live, To my life, my whole life has been this series of – I used to explain my life to people as a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) And now that I'm looking back, it was just a series of events that I thought were cool at the beginning and I was naturally good at and I was excited about it first. But then when I found things got a little bit more difficult, at the first sign of adversity, I would quit because I knew that there was a better better option – Somewhere else in my life because that's what I had proven to myself over and over that I'm good and I can accelerate very fast at the beginning stages of things and i I in my mind was thinking that somewhere in life There's going to be a I'm going to fall into something where the beginning stage lasts for a long time And I would just be really good and I will continue to accelerate at the same pace and that's that's going to be my thing That'll be my superstar thing, but I haven't really had the patience to, to stick with something, especially when things get difficult. Is there anything like, was that kind of part of your character before you did all this hitchhiking? Or did you like say, you know what, I'm going to set out to do something and this is going to define who I am for the things that I do afterward.
1: So uh, just, just let me rephrase the question to make sure I understand you properly. Yeah, yeah. So are you saying, um, have I already before been a person that, uh, that, d- Is able to stick to things even when it gets difficult, or do you think that this is something that I've built up over time?
0: Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is it something that you've always had in you, or is it something that you learned this patience and this perseverance? So, I I think it's 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 difficult to to Mm.
1: uh, give you a one hundred percent convicted answer here. I my my assumption here would be that it's kind of a bit of both. Even though that sounds very boring, <laughs> I know I know that uh, even from an early stage, um, I have stick to. I've, I've been able to stick to some things more than uh, than than peers around me, right? So I think I, I mentioned that we, I started like a sport, and I would still stick around for like a few years after everyone else would be quitting because kids, you know, they start something, they quit, they start, they quit, and I've I've sticked to these things longer. It wasn't always easy, but somehow I kind of stick to it but i think it wasn't very intentional however i think with time i've made it more intentional so for example i think three four years ago i yeah was around four years ago i started meditation practice for example and i'm, I'm very disciplined like i think i've in four years i've not missed more than five days of meditation so i've uh, i'm sticking through it very diligently and um yeah for example meditation is definitely something that teaches you to be patient. For example, I was in, uh, I don't know, you know, Vipassana meditation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this like 11-day uh, uh, complete silence meditation. So when you're sitting there for 11 days, you're not allowed to talk, to write, to do anything. And you're just there sitting with yourself. I mean, that is teaching you a lot of patience and also hitchhiking. So I think um, I've, I've already been, <laughs> to, to an extent, I think I've been patient before and, and, and disciplined, I would say. But I think the experiences that I've pushed myself to go
0: have definitely stretched and expanded that capacity of of discipline and and patience, Hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit before the episode about the difference between motivation and discipline and how most of us, when we're trying to get things done, we look for when we're motivated to do them as opposed to, okay, I'm going to be disciplined to even start this. We wait for the motivation. And then when that deflates we look for the discipline is there a better way to do that or how do you, how do you see the difference between those two
1: okay so yeah definitely definitely very interesting topic I've, like i told you i think i, I hold like sessions about it I, I think i called them very provocatively i called them why motivation is bullshit <laughs> um, so based based on my on my understanding right there's there's usually um a certain connection between uh, a certain activities, right? Like, for example, something that is uh, that is a bit scary, right? That is, um, let's just say- for Hitchhiking. Example, hitchh- hitchhiking, right? <laughs> hitchhiking, one, one good example. Or let's say something that, uh, that you kind of wanna do because it's kind of close to your heart. Let's say exercising, something that is inconvenient, unpleasant, because you don't love the feeling of exercising your muscles, but it's kind of close to you, like you wanna do it, right? So I think usually people wait to feel like the drive and their energy to then let the action follow. And I think we've all been there, right? We are sitting on the couch and we want to exercise, but we don't feel motivation. So we're telling ourselves, ah, let me just wait until I'm motivated to go. Never happens, right? You just end up falling asleep on the couch. However, I think we've also all been there the day that you didn't want to go. You really didn't want to go, but then you just force yourself to go. And afterwards, how do you feel? You always feel great, right? After coming from the gym, you're never like, oh man, I still feel so down. No, usually, like even in the gym, you're like, yeah, man, like I love this. This is this is good. Thank, thank God I, I actually came here and I'm and I'm I'm pushing it. And same with hitchhiking, when you do something that's scary, either you wait for this push and then you start it. Or even though you're scared as fuck and you don't know what you're doing, you just start moving. And the fact that you started actually causes a kind of excitement. So I've heard this concept somewhere, like instead of waiting for the emotion and then letting the action follow, you can just start the motion or the action and then let the emotion follow. And that's, Mm. I think, a concept that... um, Mm-hmm. That's been very important to me that I try to remind myself of whenever I don't feel like doing something, if I know it's close to my heart, I just try to overcome this initial like um barrier breakthrough because I know and I'm telling myself, dude, once you start, you will love it. You, mm-hmm. You'll be excited that you started and you'll
0: keep going. Absolutely. One of the concepts that I'm, I'm thinking about lately is this, Concept of, or the, the law of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. how like when you first start out with something, the gains that you see from doing it are much larger and the more you do it, the less gains you see and the, the acceleration is so high and this is I guess what I've experienced is this law of diminishing returns. When I start in something, if I start at a job that I've never done the first day that I do it, my results are infinite. Since I've never done it, I've started from zero, anything that I get is infinite, right? But the next day, from day one to day, or from day two to day three, maybe since I've done it one day, now my results only improved by 50%. And then day three to day four, less and less and less. And then as we go on, now in my day to day job, the improvements might not even be noticeable. Yeah. So, what is it about this discipline that can keep you going on? And how can you feel like we're arranging our psyche? To see these returns and, or what else can we be motivated by? I guess my question is when the law of diminishing returns gets to the point of, you know, approaching zero, how do we stay disciplined enough to to keep going. I feel like you've just given me uh, enough topics to have
1: two hours of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't either. I speak uh, very fast. I'll just like pinpoint a few things yeah. that I think are exciting. Because right now, very, very interesting question. So yeah, let's... Um, let me start um, with uh, with discipline. So me, personally, I, I think a lot of people think that my way of seeing things tends to be a bit extreme. <laughs> um, but however, it it, uh, it works for me quite well. So for example, when when I, one thing that I think helps me is that um, there's this concept I once learned that has been very true to me, which is called 99% is fucking hard, 100% is kind of easy. So what it means is, let's say you want to go on a diet, you don't want to eat, sugar so you're telling yourself i almost never eat sugar 99 percent, right but now every day you keep asking yourself is today the day do i make an mm, exception today mm-hmm. oh there's a cake oh today's my birthday or it's austin's birthday or my mom made this cake and it looks so nice right so you keep asking yourself on a daily basis and on a daily basis it costs you willpower while I would go 100%, no, sugar is not food for me. It's not something I put into my body. It doesn't cost me willpower to eat no sugar. This is a very real example because I don't eat sugar, right? Right, right, right. So, and same, I, same with alcohol. Yeah, same with alcohol. Like If I see like uh, sugar, if I see alcohol, I'm there's no, no part of me that needs to exert willpower to not eat it because I don't even see it as an option. The same way that you're not... Uh, needing willpower not to eat the microphone, right? It's not like, oh, it's just like, I don't even register it as a, as a viable option, right? Yeah. So I think that's something that, that helps me to keep going. Now, when you talk about the law of diminishing returns, I think there's a lot of uh, follow-up. Let me, let me uh, try to remember that. But first, I think one thing that keeps me going, no, this is maybe a bit pessimistic. But um, I do believe that um, there's not only positive growth, but there's also negative growth, right? So um, what what I always say, or what I do believe is if, um, like, in every single moment, you have the moment, you have the, uh, the opportunity to step into the best version of yourself or further away from the best version of yourself. Every time you take a decision, like it's um, this, um, I for, I forgot the, the scientific term, Um uh, for this uh, neuronal pathways that are um, uh, neuroplasticity hmm. so essentially your brain is moving and shaping uh, by the decisions that you make so let's say right now you want to exercise and you overcome it and you do exercise you're building pathways that shape you to become the person that in the future will exercise when you have the choice between doing it or not doing it let's say same situation you kind of not feel like doing it and you're going to sleep and eat crackers right so you're building the pathway that the next time you're prone to be going to sleep and eat crackers right so Mm. I always ask myself Towards which kind of person do I want to develop myself with this decision that I do right now? Do I want to become closer to the kind of person that falls asleep eating crackers? Or do I want to move towards the person that gets his shit together and goes working out, right? Mm. So that's one more thing that I always feel like it's not just the one thing, right? The one time working out is not really important, right? But becoming the person that is working out when or that is doing things that need to get done that when you actually want to get something done, that is invaluable, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then also, maybe just uh, to quickly uh, uh, finish on that uh, point, um, if you don't work out for three weeks, it's not like you're starting from where you were three weeks ago. It's like you start where you've been like five weeks ago, right? Mm. Because if you work out every day for three months and then three weeks you don't work out, it's not like your muscles are just staying there, right? You're losing them. You're losing the capacity of things. So it's not like... It's not only that you want to keep growing and you want to maintain the same kind of growth curve, but it's also you don't want to lose all the valuable like growth that you've worked for before, right? So I think that's one thing. Then maybe Gunn very briefly touching on another thing. I think <laughs> there's a, there's um, a way that you can when uh, when um, when a singular growth curve stops being exciting i think there's ways that you can through interconnection with other things actually make this growth like sustain more so one example would be you learn a lot about nutrition first you ate very shitty now you you start eating much better and now you're um you're uh you're hitting a plateau you're not really learning anything anymore right but now you see opportunities that you can actually get paid by people for giving them nutritional advice Mm. so suddenly you can you can leverage on this nutritional growth that started from a health perspective and you can add it to grow your career right mm. or you can uh, add it to grow your your service uh, to to the world or to the community because suddenly you can hold sessions where you are teaching entire like crowds on how to eat better right so oh, then great. i think oftentimes when you're hitting a plateau in one focused view there there's ways that you can use this growth to channel them somewhere else to make something grow, mm. if, it, if it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, this was me
0: talking a lot because you gave me something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that, I love that. I wanna go back to the um, finding out like the neuroplasticity and the pathways. There are some neuroscientists who have likened what you're talking about as mm. a uh, hill full of snow and it's lightly snowing out. And every time you do an action, it makes a track in the snow. And then you start at different points on the hill, but the more you do the same action, the more your paths overlap because that's the tendency of where they all want to go and yeah, then exactly. if you stop doing that then the snow continues to fall and then the next time you do that it's harder to get into the path because now there's it's been snowed over so that makes a lot of sense about how to uh, you know no matter what you do like are you going to add to the path or are you going to let the snow fall and let it cover up yeah exactly so i think that's a that's a really good one and i really love this overlapping of developing almost mastery in, in one subject, but then using that once you've hit a plateau into bringing another subject in and almost co-creating something that's even more beneficial to even the greater good. I feel that a lot of the times we're not conditioned to think that way. We're just thinking, okay, I need to get good because this is what's been assigned to me. This is my role. These are the parameters of it. As opposed to okay, how can I how can I use this and grow myself, and then use my personal growth to help others grow, or something like that, which yeah. then now leads us into the the concept of positive impact that we were talking a little bit about. And what does that what does that mean? Like what? How do you see positive impact in the world? Like I love what you're doing at Boston Consulting. There's such a cool. Uh, well, I'll I'll let you talk about it a little bit more. But I think what you're doing and like the way that you're looking at Data and the way you're measuring things, and how you guys and your team specifically are thinking about the world and the impact that it's going to make is fascinating. And I think from the outside, if you're not like in it, and like if I weren't a good friend of yours and I didn't talk to you about this, if somebody were to tell me that like a year ago, I'd be like, that is so boring. (laughs) But now that I know a little bit more about it, I'm like, wow, that is fascinating. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing? with your work right now and, and why that's exciting. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so you, you just added the content for another three hours of, uh, of, uh, of conversation. Oh, we have seven so, minutes. So we'll figure out okay, what to that, do. That's <laughs> very content about it. Okay. So yeah, I think, I mean, my, my past, I, I worked for Apple, right. Um, and, uh, then I quit my job at Apple to, um, uh, to volunteer, to contribute, to make the world a better place. Right. So I, I moved to Nicaragua. And I was like uh, full-time volunteering in like an NGO. And then after that in in Ghana. And um, in the end, what I I realized is that um, while the sole objective of what we were doing was like towards like purpose and towards positive impact, sometimes um, people there in in this NGO, they didn't have the the best tools to educate even me, for example, educate everyone who was there to... um, to have the best uh, impact possible, right? The highest impact possible. And I, I, I find, especially when it comes to like, um, managerial techniques or with uh, like strategy that uh, that sometimes the 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 people who have the best tools available, they're not in NGOs. They're usually making a lot of money somewhere, right? So I was asking myself, where can I learn that stuff, right? Where can I learn how to get an objective met as good as possible, uh, and then take that and come back to some NGOs and help them use the same tools to upscale positive impact. Mm. So I ended up with strategy consultancies, right? Because that's what they're doing, right? They're helping big companies to um, succeed in one particular objective, which usually is profit, right? Usually Mm -hmm. a huge Mm -hmm. ass company Mm -hmm. has like complex problems, like which market shall we enter? What should be the strategy that we should do? Um, How much money can we make from this? Shall we split our business or shall we keep one? Like shall we expand? Shall we focus? So then they bring strategy consultants in who are like, who are kind of the the guys who are providing the tools and the brains to to crack that problem provide a solution and uh, and then these companies say thank you and make a lot of money through that solution right <laughs> so it's like if these solutions these tools um, are able to make uh, like millions and billions of, of money. It's just one objective, right? The question is an objective. The resources are similar. You have a set amount of people, a set amount of information, a set amount of uh, capital, right? And you want to get to an objective. If that objective is profit or if that objective is positive impact in whichever way you frame it, you're always using the same resources and trying to maximize an output. So that's that's why I, I came to uh, apply for consulting companies, and why I'm now working with Boston Consulting Group, right? Um, but yeah, I think my um, um, maybe just uh, how how do I feel about positive impact? I think one uh, thing that is that is problematic for me right now is. How do I even define positive impact? It has become very difficult for me. For example, I was never very excited about finances. I was always excited about education, about personal development, increasing your consciousness. But then you look at the statistics and you see that every single poor country in the world, people die young and people have shitty access to education. Every single rich country in the world has solid education and people live solidly long, right? Some are always obviously doing better than others in in both categories, right? But there's not a single like really poor country that has better life expectancy and education than any rich country right so you're starting or i started questioning this like do i really want to work for an ngo that is solely focusing on a non-economical aspect such as education or something um and losing out the economical aspect yeah so i think that is (laughs) like the, the big puzzle that i'm kind of trying to solve like and even how do you define positive impact what's the impact that you want to have i think that's already if i if i
0: answer this question for myself i'll be very happy already and i'll tell you what we should do we are going to cut this here and start another one because this is like this is the juice i feel like so stay tuned for the next episode with my friend toby I hope you enjoyed that episode. Like we said, this is gonna be part one of a two-part series where we actually go into more of what Toby does as a strategy consultant for Boston Consulting Group and how they're actually making a much bigger impact in the world and thinking beyond profits for corporations. It's, it's really cool and I, I love talking with this, uh, with my friend about this stuff. If you'd like to learn more about me, you can find me on Instagram at Intro to Austin or on Facebook. Austin Willman is my full name. I'm always happy to hear about how the show impacted your life and to get feedback, of course. I'm always here for you. And remember, we make the world a better place through introductions.